Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbecue, the only podcast in the Ringer Podcast Network that reports on pitchers and catchers all year long. We are not restricted to the third week of February. I'm Jake Mintz. That's Jordan Schusterman. Jordan, hello. Hello, my friend. It is a it is a big day uh, today, February 16th, about half of the league's pitchers and catchers will be reporting to their respective spring training sites in Florida and Arizona, where it is surely extremely safe to do so, uh, except maybe not. But it's happening, folks. There's no way around it. There is no delay. The players are arriving in spring training, and we are obviously going to talk about that. We are going to talk about a bunch of pitchers that signed one-year deals recently and throughout the winter. We're going to talk about Justin Turner returning to the Los Angeles Dodgers. We are going to talk about the official realignment of our beloved minor leagues. And we're going to have a, a fun interview that I'm I'm, I'm excited to, to kind of swerve away from Major League Baseball. Jake, who are we going to talk to later in this episode? We're going to talk to Kyle Peterson, who I would say is ESPN's college baseball human being. He played at Stanford. He has been commentating college baseball games on the four letter for a long, long time. And he's essentially going to explain alongside us why all of you friendly people should give a crap about college baseball over the next couple of months. All of that coming up soon on Baseball Barbecue. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together... We're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. All right, Jordan. Where would you like to begin this journey today? I think, I think we have to begin with those, those special words. Pitchers and catchers. Reporting pitchers and catchers often just shortened to pitchers and catchers, pitchers and catchers. It's weird. It's this, it's this sent, not even a sentence. It's these three words that we all just desperately yearn for throughout the cold winter. And we made it. Now, of course, there has been much consternation about whether said pitchers and catchers should be reporting on this date, but the players have been steadfast. They rejected the league's proposal to delay the season. And Part of that is because they they had been getting ready to to you know report on this date to pitch and, and catch uh, to pitch and catch on this date, and so uh, today's the first day when we're going to be seeing these these guys arriving. And we just wanted to kind of talk about our favorite parts about it because while yes, there's reason to be a little bit concerned about starting the season on time uh, for obvious reasons that we've discussed plenty over the last year, uh, there are things to be excited about. So let's talk about our favorite and, and weirdest parts about pitchers and catchers. So first of all, why pitchers and catchers? Why not catchers and pitchers? Um, catchers comes first in the alphabet. C comes before P. Uh, I guess on the field, the pitcher is one and the catcher is two. So maybe that's why. That's compelling. That's and compelling, I, yes. You know, pitchers usually get more of the love and catchers are kind of a secondary figure. I would advocate to sw swap them. And if I was a team that wanted to like empower my catchers, I would call it catchers and pitchers reporting. <laughs> And make everyone call it that. I, I like I like your your line of thinking there. I mean, I think the key is is you just you just can't have one without the other, right? There's no point yeah. in the catchers showing up if the pitchers are not going to show up, and there's no point in the pitchers showing up if the catchers aren't going to be there uh, to catch their pitches. Uh, but the 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 real reality of this, and of course this is true with the other players that report later, is is the actual visions of our favorite players on our favorite teams being in the same place again we see right? them it's kind of it's kind of that simple now of course this year they'll be masked and there won't be a bunch of fans waiting there asking for their autograph and and that's fine that's probably for the best but seeing the guys show up roll up in their respective rides whether that's an old jeep if you're you know charlie blackman later this week or a ridiculously expensive car that you've never even heard of if you're yoana cespedes when these guys are showing up to camp 
They're, they're making it all like, hey, I'm here. And especially, it's especially fun when the guy's showing up to the to their new camp for the first time, right? This yeah. is going to be, uh, it's always cool. You know, when Mookie Betts, I remember sh- when he showed up with the Dodgers last year, it was like, holy shit, he's seriously wearing blue. It feels very real. Um, in world soccer, there is an image in my head of like when a player gets transferred, like go- undergoes a transfer to another team. And there's like a, there's like footage of them in like a Manchester parking lot in the rain, walking into the team facility for the first time, waving to the paparazzi, waving to the, it's like Paul Pogba plays for Man U. Like he's waving and it's pouring and he's getting out of an a hundred thousand dollar car. Right. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. is pitchers and catchers is the closest thing that baseball has to that. Now pitchers and catchers itself, like what actually, what are they there for? Okay. Let's talk about that quickly. They are there to basically get, warmed up enough so that when the hitters come, they're ready for them, right? They just kind of need more time. They're like your friend who it takes a while for them to get out of the house. That is pitchers, right? Pitchers need to get loose. Catchers are there just to help the pitchers. That's really it. And so for me, the interesting thing about pitchers and catchers is not what they're doing because spring training is sneaky. One of the most overrated things about baseball, unless you're actually there. And it's Which none close. of us will be this year. Or but pitchers and numbers, pitchers and catchers is the single most, uh, the single most baseball thing that my dad cares about more than me, mm. and it's not mm. close. Every year, my dad or my, and my mom will let me know that it's pitchers and catchers, and I won't care until <laughs> I see a picture of Mookie Betts climbing out of a nice car. Right, exactly. And and we can, you know, expand this conversation now just to what this whole week will look like as these these new players are arriving. And I do realize that, uh, you know, a theme of this offseason has been most of the big names are returning, right? LeMayu is going to show back up in Tampa and Real Muto is going to show up to Philly's camp and, you know, it's Ozuna in Atlanta. But like, let me tell you, man, that first clip of George Springer showing up in Dunedin is going to be really freaking cool. Like, that is a very exciting thing. And because you know, like, it, it kind of just brings a sense of energy. Sure, you know, we've seen George Springer wear his Blue Jays hat on his Zoom call, but it's not real until you see him playing catch in the in the warm-up jersey. You sure, know, like, he's, not a, he's not a pitcher or a catcher, though. You should know that. I know, I know. He's, he's going like, to play that, center for them. That, 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 uh, oh, oh, that's who George Springer is. Yeah, okay, yeah, sorry, yeah, thank, yeah. You for, thank you for... I, I yeah, just yeah, assumed yeah, the Blue Jays yeah, needed yeah. pitchers, so they would have, you know, signed a, a big pitcher. Anyway, Two-way um, guy. but... But 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 you're right. The, the the pitchers and catchers, and of course, with them is 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 the first footage of of the of the catch, right? Maybe not even pitching or bullpen, but just like seeing Zach Wheeler out there just throwing the ball around, right? <laughs> it's like, oh hey, there's the pitcher. He's throwing the ball, and you hear the sound. And they they always put all the teams will post like 25 second clips, no music. It'll just be. Back and forth, the pop of the glove. Like, that's all teams want to post, and it'll get 75,000 retweets. Some jogging. You'll get some warm-up oh, jogging. Some jogging, yep. Maybe uh, some little mic'd up, even though no one's saying anything. Like, that's all the fans doing this are morning? right now. Good, good. You, good. The spring training highlights, or sorry, pitchers and catchers highlights, you can kind of almost smell through the computer or your phone. Yes. Like, it yes, smells yes. like cut grass and dew. It's like, why do you? Why are you doing this at six a.m.? We we can't we just sleep in a little bit. I know it's hot, but uh, last pitchers and catchers thing. I know we've been talking about something that we claim is irrelevant now for about ten minutes, but there was a video that I believe came out in twenty nineteen. Pitchers and catchers tweeted out by at Orioles, and I know mm. that maybe mm. regurgitating video footage on a podcast is not great, but deal. You're gonna have to bear with me. It is one of my favorite chunks of social media content that has ever been produced because. We're talking about the 2019 Orioles, who were as uh, anonymous, if not more so, than the current batch of Orioles. And this video featured uh, all of the Orioles walking into camp, into big league camp, and there were maybe 20, 20 guys, and you could identify three to five of them. And the now, Orioles posted like, we're back. We're back, Actually, right. I think it was 2020 because Adley was involved in this. Yes, but uh, again, to this point, this year, the bad teams who are posting videos of guys showing up, they have the added excuse of everyone's masked up, so it's harder to know who guys are, right? So it's, which is good. That's fine. That's how it should be. I mean, I remember this was true during the season last year when guys were showing up to to, to major league games on some of the worst teams. It's like, that's gotta be someone on the Tigers, surely. It's like, oh, is that Jacoby Jones in a mask? If you can recognize, (laughs) 
if you're a fan of a bottom 10 team, bottom five team, bottom 10, five team, and you could recognize all of your team's favorite players showing up to the complex in masks, you're a true fan. Yes, we'll do some quizzes. Is. We'll keep an eye on these videos. <laughs> if you see these videos across the internet sphere, tag us. We'll we'll, we'll do some. We'll, we'll we'll definitely have some fun with it. And truly, for all we make, I'll fun make of a it. sporkle. Listen, listen. I'll watch those videos, those 17 second videos of of you know <laughs> of Noah Syndergaard, you know, playing light catch because he's not even playing full catch. <laughs> like we'll 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 that take guy, it. We'll take it. That guy's taking it upon himself to keep the uh, body oil industry in business Noah in the Syndergaard, pandemic. Bobby, you are that is worth chiming in for. You are correct. He is he is single handedly uh, one of the most impressive things about Noah Syndergaard that transcends the laws of chemistry in my mind is that he is able to keep his hair so dry and his mm. body so wet. Most mm. wet guys are all wet and most yeah. dry guys are all dry. Whereas nowhere Syndergaard, there is a enormous discrepancy in moisture between his slick back and his flowy hair. But I, I don't think the moisture is sweat all the time though. I oh, think no. that he literally there, oils himself there's up. No way. So there's absolutely unless no he's, chance. Then touching his hair after that, I don't see where his hair would get wet. I think he's not supposed to be throwing so much that he's sweating a lot, Jake. Don't make me nervous. All right, he's recovering from TJ. That's actually <laughs> all bullfrog. That's all of everything yeah. that's all over him is every illegal substance you can possibly conjure up is just it's just that's what he bathes in. And yeah, uh, but he doesn't. But when it. you when your hair is pulled back that tight, too, and you're going to know this soon because y- your hair is getting very long, Jay. Congratulations. You're coming up on your one-year anniversary of not getting a haircut in the <laughs> mm-hmm. pandemic. Yep. When your hair is that long and it's pulled back that tight, how would anyone know? Mm. How would anyone know? Hmm. So you're saying he could be wet. I don't know. We're going to have to pay close attention to this when, when he comes back this season. I am. Forget the velo, you know, forget the FIP. We're going to be paying attention to wetness. The humidity of Noah Syndergaard's <laughs> skin and hair. All right, let's uh, let's talk about let's, something else now. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> as much Listen, as I do love this, I, I am excited about Syndergaard coming back. But let's talk about a couple couple speak about hair. Let's talk about hair. Oh, spe- oh, that's true. Let's let's keep it in the in the hair category. Um, I don't know how where he falls on the on the wet uh, spectrum, but let's talk about Justin Turner, who has uh, certainly uh, some long hair uh, on his face and uh, on his head, uh, and he will be re- returning that hair, that red mane that he sports uh, to Los Angeles because of course he is. And this is like fucking dumb. Like, Duh. Whatever. This is no surprise. That was interesting to hear that the Brewers basically offered him close to the same contract and that would have been really spicy, but they would have had to offer him double to leave <laughs> to leave uh, Los Angeles. Um, and, uh, and and this is, this is a capper to, to uh, what is an offseason for the Dodgers that of course adding Trevor Bauer is the headline, but like you know, we mentioned that they will look somewhat different without Kike, without Jock, without Pedro Baez. Like those are big parts of their team. But returning Turner is uh, is pretty important for the the holy shit level of the Dodgers. They bring back his bat. They bring back his leadership and they bring back his COVID antibodies, which, you know, definitely got to play a role. Uh, I would say if a, this is a theory, I have no proof for what I'm about to say, to be clear. If okay, a guy knows that by now. If a guy owns a house in a city, I think you got to pay him more to go to a different team. So like Justin Turner has been in LA now for like seven years or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. He owns a house. Like he bought a house definitely there. And like to move to Milwaukee and like have to get another place, I feel like that's more, you got to pay him more, right? He's not like, it's easier to break a lease than right. it is. So, so you're saying like to really uh, literally uproot, to get out of the home that you have invested in, to to plant your flag. Yeah, yeah no, that that I I mean, sure. I mean, I again no way to prove that, but I see I see what you're getting at. Like Ryan I mean, Zimmerman. I mean, you know, he didn't leave. He's definitely got a house in DC. Right. <laughs> Virginia. So like now obviously Justin Turner wanted to take this down to the last minute because he believed he deserved a lot of money and he's still a great hitter and I totally understand that. But I have to imagine for a guy that's so obviously in, you know, with the World Series champs, like there's just, it would take so much for him to go even more than LeMahieu leaving or Real Muto leaving or whoever, you know, pick your pick your star that returned to their 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 team this offseason. Um, he was the most obvious returnee 
uh, possible. And, and he, he keeps them, you know, right up. The, again, it's it's just another level of, I mean, again, if, if if he didn't go back, they'd still be the favorites, whatever. It would be Edwin Rios would hit 50 home runs and, you know, it'd be the Dodgers. But this still gives them that layer of the Dodgers are still awesome. So I would say cool. that the, the Justin Turner situation tells us more about the Brewers than the Dodgers or Justin Turner. And that the Brewers offering the same amount of money to Justin Turner is the second most the division has tried behind the Nolan Arenado trade all offseason. <laughs> yes. Yeah, seriously. Like, in some ways, like, I mean, again, we, we've talked a lot about the the whole we tried trophy uh, from this winter with Toronto, who, of course, did land some guys. But, but I mean, I don't know. I, I guess could credit to Milwaukee for really putting a real offer out there, even if they didn't get it done. But to your point, relative to the NL Central, it does look very impressive. Their impressive effort cool. that yielded nothing. Uh, and now I guess they'll have Luis Urias playing third. I don't know. I don't if think only, Milwaukee's very good. <laughs> if only baseball transactions were graded on a bell curve, they'd get a B. Uh, all right, Jordan, next topic. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk about some pitchers because they, these were a little bit more interesting. Two two more reunions, actually, we should say, but uh, not the kind of, of re-signing. These are re- actual returns to where they were, Jake Arrieta returning to the Chicago Cubs. James Paxton, what in the world? Returning to the Seattle Mariners just two years after he was traded to the Bronx. And we can talk about those two in particular, but I just wanted to to kind of open this up to the general theme of the offseason of starting pitchers signing one-year deals. Now, I know Jake Odorizzi is still out there. Uh, and it seems like he's holding out for a multi-year deal, which he probably deserves. And we know Trevor Bauer got his three years and $100 million or whatever. But in general, I don't think basically any other starting pitcher uh, got a multi-year deal. And to, to compare all of these starting pitchers, and it's not a new thing. We, we're used to seeing starting uh, Jordan, pitchers risk. Jordan, yeah. Mike Miner got two years from the Royals. You don't know shit about baseball. Damn, you that's idiot. true. I was like, I'm forgetting one obvious one, and Jake's going to roast me for it, and he just did, and I deserved it. Sorry, Mike Miner. That was a major mistake. But this conversation is about all those one-year guys, because what, what is interesting to me is that while there is a huge range of what these guys ended up getting, right? Corey Kluber got $11 million. Mike fulton got two. He was awesome two years ago. He's broken. James Paxson, very injured. He gets eight and a half. But it's like Drew Smiley got 11. Like, I can't really. And then John Lester couldn't get two million from the team that he desperately wanted to come back to. But Jake Arrieta gets six. Chris Archer gets six. It's all over the map. And yet, I can't really distinguish all of them. Like, I have no idea what really separates these pitchers because of their risk levels. The following list of names I'm about to read is in no way comprehensive. There are names that will be left off of this list, but there are 15 names that Jordan and I find particularly interesting. Actually, 16, because I'm going to add one to this as well. Um, All of these dudes are fine or not. We really have no idea, but here we go. Okay, this is essentially like remembering some guys in the present. Garrett Richards, Tyler Chatwood, Felix Hernandez, James Paxton, Drew Smiley, Corey Kluber, Chris Archer, Mike Fultonevich, Trevor Williams, Matt Moore, Rich Hill, Adam Wainwright, Jake Arrieta, John Lester, Michael Waka, and Matt Shoemaker, all of whom I believe on one-year deals. Uh, I think all of those are MLB guarantees except for Felix, which is kind of nuts. And I don't know if I trust any of the those guys in my 2021 rotation, but like some of them are going to be good and some of them are not going to pitch at all. And it's just such a shit show. Yeah. And I and honestly, like I'm just trying to parse like because I think the reason why this fascinates me is that is the notion is, is that there's a market and that these presumably these starting pitcher deals are dictating what the other ones are getting. But it feels like it doesn't really match up. Like, I can't compute the fact that so-and-so is getting six and so-and-so is getting two and so-and-so is getting 11. Like, it doesn't line up the way normally you could be like, oh, well, obviously, since, you know, JT Real Muto got this because James McCain got that. Like, that I can very much see. With all these pitchers, I'm like, each one, I'm like, that's exciting. And also, like, that's freaking terrifying. And so, especially with these last couple with Paxton and Arietta, um, who've been, you know, very troubling last uh, 12 to 16 months or so, I... It's it's interesting. I mean, I'm excited as a Mariners fan for Paxton, but I don't know how confident I am. I think there's like a kind of revolving door or not. A revol- there's just a variety of different like factors at play where it's like, OK, were you ever a top 10 pitcher in the world? Right. You get a little pay bump for that, I think, right. except for 
except for Felix. Uh, if <laughs> were you injured a lot the last two years or were you just bad, right? That's a determining factor. Yeah, Is your velo down significantly? That's a big one. Like Lester. That's why Lester didn't get any money because his velo was down. Whereas Arietta, reportedly the velo was a little bit better than what Lester got. But at the same time, like John Lester needs velo less than Jake Arietta to succeed. So again, if you put all of these into a random number generator and told me like, I would give every single one of these pitchers $5 million. If you told me that all of these guys got a one-year $5 million deal, I would, I would believe probably be like, yeah. I'd be like, that's believe- a little low for Kluber. Yeah. But I'd be like, like you know, maybe like, the market like, didn't actualize. There's worries about the arm. Like, oh, right. wow, Felix got a million or $5 million. I bet the Velo looks pretty. Like, I could believe that for right. every single pitcher on this list. Even Fulty, who was, you know, I guess, was he DFA'd, waved, like passed over? Your waivers, like, he finished eighth in the Cy Young in 2018. That's just as recently as Kluber was good. That's just as recently. And yes, we don't know how these guys are necessarily looking in their bullpens, you know, behind closed doors or for teams or whatever. Um, and that's a huge factor of it. And I think, you know, we'll see how how right teams are about what they think they saw in a bullpen session uh, because they're putting their money where that is. But I, that's the thing. I just, it, it did, like to your point, all these guys could have signed for $5 million. I would have believed all of them. All right, Bobby. Bobby, you want to do a very quick, like super quick draft here. We're each going to pick a quick five-man rotation off of this awful list of guys. Okay, Bobby, you're the youngest, so you get first pick. I got second, Jordan third. It's a snake. Okay? Very quick. First pick, Bobby. Sorry, I'm just, I, I wasn't ready. I, I had to open up the list again. That's fine. Um, all, so I have to choose from all... 18 of these guys? 16. We got 15. We got 15 guys. Six, oh. 16. Okay. One guy's not going to get picked. <laughs> first pick, uh, James Paxton. Okay. okay. Bobby takes Paxton. Okay. Uh, second pick, I'm taking Adam Wainwright. Okay. That is was definitely going to be my selection. Jordan, you got I'm two. I'm going to take... Oh, I have the wraparound, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, snake. all right. I like this. I like this spot. I'm going to go with Garrett Richards. Yeah. And then I'm... Great oh, choice. I'm going to go with... <laughs> I guess three. Kluber. 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 Okay. Ooh, Uh, bad pick. I'm going to go. Already regretting it. I'm going to go with Drew Smiley. He was on my board. Way better than I realized. Bobby, two picks. Oh, two picks. Uh, I'm going to go with Rich Hill. Yeah. I'm going to all all lefties. All lefties here. Loving the curveball. And then I will stay as far away from Mike Fultonevich as possible, and I will pick Michael Waka, who still has velocity at wow, minimum. Wow, that's a crazy Michael pick. Michael Waka okay. still has velocity. Okay, all right. I'm taking Matt Shoemaker, who I still think is really good for some reason. Okay, then I will go with Ooh. John Lester okay. and the guy that good just clubhouse guy. replaced good clubhouse him, guy. Trevor Williams. Okay. Uh, I will take Trevor. <laughs> did you see Amir Garrett's uh, Instagram live? I did. We can talk about that on another episode. <laughs> Uh, I'll take Chris Archer and bet that the Rays know something we don't. Mm. I just picked Michael Waka and you said that was a crazy pick. Yeah, yeah but it was no, a but, first offseason move. Yeah, but Archer's better. Okay, you got two, Bobby. Last two picks. I don't even know who's been picked. Last um, one pick. Oh, last two. Two. two picks. Come on, Bobby. Picks. I want Felix. Okay, Damn Felix. It. Yep. I stole Felix from both of you guys now. Yep. I thought I was getting him in Mr. Irrelevant. And then I have one more. One more pick. No, you're, I don't even right. know who's available. Um, did anybody take Matt? No, Tyler Chatwood? Nope. All, <laughs> All yours, <is> mine. buddy. <laughs> All <laughs> yours. Okay. I will take Matt Moore. I feel like Brody like, Van Wagenen trying to pitch Tyler Chatwood and Michael Waka to the fan base. Matt Moore so, was pretty good in Japan. So, hold on. So, now I'm stuck picking between... You have Arietta, Fulty Arietta, and Arietta. That's it. Those are the two oh, guys. Oh boy! Wow, you would have been smooth sailing in 2016. Oh, or Arietta? I guess Arietta, because okay. like Fulty might be completely toast from what it seems like he ended up. He's so, lost like seven miles an hour in yeah, the last two years. Yeah, but I'll go Arietta. Um, okay, great. All right, mm. just to quickly review these teams, Bobby, your ace. Game one of the World Series. You're going Paxton. Game two, you got Rich Hill. Who am I, the Yankees? Yeah. <laughs> Your three starters, Michael Waka, Felix Hernandez, and Tyler Chatwood. I'm rolling out Adam Wainwright, Drew Smiley, Matt Shoemaker, Chris Archer, and Matt Moore. Jordan is Ooh, Garrett. I hate your group. I, I hate love group. my team. We're going in a battle with that squad. Jordan is going in with Garrett Richards, Corey Kluber, John Lester, Trevor Williams, and Jake Arrieta. 
Uh, you I, might not get a single start out of those yeah, guys Jordan, in a playoff series, by the way, Jordan. I think, I think Trevor is going to have to make all four World Series starts <laughs> I trust for Trevor team. to be healthy. That's the thing. I needed some stability there with the with the level of health risk that I was taking from the other guys. Now, we'll we'll keep track of this over the course of the season, see who's got the best team, hey. see how these guys do. Now, my last question, Jordan. Yeah. Uh, I think we can all agree that none of these teams are particularly good. <laughs> yeah. Would you take all of these rotations over the current Baltimore Orioles yes. starting rotation? Yes. Which looks like John Means, Wade LeBlanc, Dean Kramer, Keegan Aiken, Felix Hernandez. Yes. I- I've never heard the name Keegan Aiken before, guys. Whoa! Whoa! Keegan Aiken slander! Was, whoa! Are you Check the slander. Bad cast numbers. All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I would take the Orioles rotation by a hair. Is the Orioles, I mean, I assume they're the worst projected rotation. I can't imagine there's a worse one. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it's a great question. It's a great question. All right, uh, folks. Let I us- need to know who's catching Adam Wayne right before I make that decision. That's oh. a great Yachty? point. Great point. Ooh, that's great a great point. point. Hey, let us know who drafted the best rotation. I mean, we'll track I'll, t- I'll tweet him. If we if we did, yeah, if we again, it's kind of arbitrary. There's a bunch of other one year guys, you know, D. Sclafani, Alex Wood, whatever. We just picked 15, and you had to we had to choose. Uh, well, we picked 16 because we wanted 16. to slander Mike Fulton. Yeah. The last one, the last point I'll make about this before we move to our. Uh, our last topic here before we talk to uh, Kyle Peterson is uh, we'll take Masahiro Tanaka over all, all of these them. fools. All of them. All these fools. Everyone. And I hope, I hope he throws 300 innings in Japan next year. I hope he doesn't remember his last year in Japan. He went like 24 and 0. He has, <laughs> I hope he goes 24 and 0 again. And I hope Tanaka shows everyone that they are idiots and them doubting. Uh, by the way, I was oh, Tanaka. Whoa, whoa, his medical must be scary too. Are you kidding me? I'll take his bionic arm over all these, uh, all these, uh, you know, fragile pitchers. Masahiro Tanaka has had a scary medical since the Obama <laughs> administration, but that's since, not news. Uh, since Koshien, and he's still doing yeah. just fine. Uh, okay, uh, Jake, we have one final topic uh, before our interview, and that is uh, obviously a topic near and dear to our heart, and we've talked about it at times throughout the off season. And of course, we had a big episode on it before last season. Let's talk about the minor leagues because it is official. The 120 teams that were, quote unquote, invited to continue as minor Evite, league teams. Evite. It was probably invited. Yes, that's true. Uh, they were asked to RSVP to continue on as minor league teams. Uh, all 120 accepted those uh, evites, however you want to call them. And so we now have a, a actual understanding of what the minor leagues are going to look like for the foreseeable, foreseeable future. Now, if you just saw the press release and you're a casual fan and you see, oh, well, the players are going to be getting paid, you know, 50 to 70 percent more and travel is going to be better and amenities are going to be better and facilities are going to be better. All of that is true. All of that is good. All of that probably could have and should have happened without taking minor league baseball away from 30 plus communities across the country. So while I am happy that the minor league lifestyle will be improved, I think that there is there are improvements to be made in terms of the lifestyle for the players, in terms of travel, in terms of the food that they're eating, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm glad that that will be happening. But it is still very frustrating to see that this is what it came to. And uh, and in some ways, I'm still feeling extra sad for those minor league teams that will, will not have affiliates uh, moving forward. And we've talked about how that sucks for those communities. Lots of people have written great words on that. Written, have written great words about that. But I think the thing about the recent news that hit me is that how fucking lame it feels. And that part of what has made minor league baseball so fun and interesting is like the jankiness of it, right? There's like a ragtag part of it. And part of that is connected to the history of the sport where a lot of these teams popped up not because there was like a cohesive league plan, but because people in a city wanted baseball and there were like 15 people in that city who were all right at baseball. And so they put a team together and they played. And those are kind of the roots of how minor league baseball exists. And this just all feels very corporate and calculated. And again, that part of that will help the conditions improve and help the facilities improve. But there's something about the way that it was presented that makes it feel less interesting and less bizarre and the thing I think that really drew us to minor league baseball is that it's almost like an endless open map video game 
where there's so much weird shit out there and you're never going to get to all of it. And that's so alluring and it makes you want to explore and learn more and go to these places. I don't feel that same kind of draw necessarily. Like I still would love to be at a minor league baseball game tomorrow, obviously, but like there's just something about this rollout that feels inauthentic to me. I agree. And I don't want to, I mean, listen, MLB controlling the minor league entities is right. There are a lot of problems with that. Some of them are far more complicated than are worth getting into on this podcast. You know, I don't want to act like the minor league teams are still not going to be able to put on a good product For to some sure. degree. Like, and For I don't sure. want to take away that agency from these minor league teams. And I'm still, like you said, it's still so excited to go to minor to the minor league baseball. But, but yeah, like just the fact that they didn't even have there are no league names anymore, right? Like the fact that now we have what three different central minor leagues and like we're just referring to the level and it all feels like you said it all feels very corporate it all feels very um like kind of robotic and automated um and while the team names are still crazy right we still got the cannonballers and the trash pandas and like those teams will hopefully still be able to put on a fun enjoyable product for the communities but i agree that the overall entity as a whole it is not being presented in a way that is as uh kind of lovable and accessible and it might get slightly worse when we get the Toyota East West Double A League. Well, I just hope that these. It's I, I hope that these sponsored league names are at least weird ass companies, <laughs> right? Like, I agree. I agree. Like, it, just make them odd. Like, just give me something bizarre. Like, let's. Yeah. Well, let's at the just, very least, don't know insurance companies. Please. At the very least, we need to differentiate because, as it stands right now, I am not looking forward to differentiating between low A East, high A East, triple A East. Like, give me you gotta give names, right? I mean, obviously, most of the names we just had were were regional, and that's fine. And I don't know why the Texas League can't be still be the Texas League, even if you brand it with you know Whataburger. <laughs> like, Here we go. If, if we got that's the Whataburger fine. League, great. I mean, we can talk about that. I mean, it's right, not- right. So whatever, it's fine. We'll 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 get used to it. But um, again, as we've said many times, you know, thinking of those minor league teams that have been relegated to college summer leagues or independent leagues um, because the reality is, is while they have that now, like I'm skeptical that they'll be able to survive. Um, and that's what is sad. While yes, maybe they have new affiliates and new, new uh, or new, you know, connections and new league. Now I, I'm, I'm worried about those teams and I'm, I'm sad for those communities that don't have an affiliated connection anymore. So uh, yeah, just, just wanted just to important reminder you. that baseball exists beyond the scope of major league baseball. And to continue with that theme, Jordan Schusterman, The college baseball season is upon us. It begins. It has begun, actually. Some levels, D3 has started, NAIA has started, but D1 baseball, Mm -hmm. Juco, the big D1 teams kick it off this weekend. And to try and convince college baseball hater Bobby Wagner that college baseball fucking rocks and is good and is worth your time, we have a very special guest joining us to help look at the season. We'll be right back with Kyle Peters. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. 
Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Okay, we are now very excited to welcome in to Baseball Barbecue for the very first time, our good friend from ESPN, Kyle Peterson. Kyle, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you. It's good to talk baseball. Now, Kyle, we're going to be breaking down what you're definitely most known for, which is the 1999 season for the Milwaukee oh, Brewers. Okay. I think that's yeah. a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I, <laughs> yeah, that was a coming <laughs> one. I um let me see. Sadly, I can actually remember that. I got two hits in one game. That wow. Year. Um, and then I had two more the rest of my career. So when that happens, you remember the game and you actually had two hits. Okay. Well, as much as I want to go a deep dive on Kyle Peterson's hitting career, yeah. that's not what we that's brought it. you here for. We, 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 are, we are going to talk uh, about the college baseball season, which is very much uh, upon us despite the temperatures the frigid temperatures across this great land, including where you are in Omaha, Nebraska, where it is, it is how cold? Just, just again, just to give a sense for, for people. We checked in at minus 24 this morning when I got into the car and I, my car had never told me that before. I kind of hope it never does again. I didn't even know that car temperatures would go like <laughs> that would even function and register. And so it, your car said minus 24. So I'm going to, I'm going to prove it. Is this like a video zoom or is this? A no, no, but just go for it. It's fine. Go for it. This was this morning. Negative 24. <laughs> I, can, I can verify. Uh, we're, we're looking at it. It's a real thing. Okay, well, despite those frigid temperatures, college baseball is, in fact, starting uh, this weekend. And the reason why we wanted to bring you on is because not only do you, of course, cover and, and broadcast college baseball for a living, um, but you are one of the people who I think is, is best at communicating what makes college baseball great. And I think that we wanted to kind of expand that college baseball audience to maybe some people who are not necessarily diving into the D1 baseball season, you know, when spring training is coming around the corner. But I think this year in particular, we are all craving it. So first question for you, we had the season cut short last year. What do you miss the most about college baseball? And are you most excited to have back uh, here in a couple of days? Um, I mean, I miss the fact that there's a lot of guys that didn't get a chance to experience a postseason experience almost. Um, now, obviously, for, for a lot of these kids, they had a chance to come back, but some of them got drafted and in a year that they otherwise would have been there. They didn't get a chance to be there. I, I've said this probably way too many times in my life, but one of my favorite days of the year is the Friday that everybody practices in Omaha. And it's just seeing the looks on guys' faces when they walk on the field for the first time. And they've seen it on TV and they've heard about it, it's, but they've never walked on it. And I mean, the phones are out, and the looks are different. It was the same feeling that I remember the bus ride to Rosenblatt when we were, pay, when we were playing there in, in 95. And you would come over the hill on 13th Street heading south. And when you come over the hill on 13th Street, the minute you get over the top, you see Rosenblatt. And the whole bus would go totally south because it was for so many guys that hadn't seen it. it that Friday is kind of that same feeling. And that's, that's a day I always love. I've always taken my son down there. He comes and hangs out during the day. Missing that day for the first time in, I guess, 17 years really sucked. And, and I can't imagine what it was like for the kids who would have had a chance to play there. Now, the games are also, I mean, again, the season's going to look very different this year for a million reasons. And we're not going to go into the specifics of that because really what we want to talk about is just what makes college baseball special? And you just mentioned one of them. Omaha is an obvious one. But the actual game on the field itself, what do you, what would you say makes the college baseball product in terms of the actual game being played between the lines different than what you're used to when you're watching MLB? Well, it's, it's definitely not a bloop and a blast game like Major League Baseball has gotten to be. There's, there's, there's more swing and miss than there used to be because there's more velocity, I mean, from the time kids are 10 right now until all the way up 
that's inevitably going to give you more swing and miss. But there is more contact. And I think there's more action, which, you know, we've heard it ad nauseum. And I think there's some some truth to it that that's the most challenging thing with the big league product right now is you see home runs and you see guys throwing 104, but you don't see a lot of action every game. Um, and you're, you're going to see a lot more action on the college side. I think the other thing that, that is cool is it's not necessarily, you know, for some of these kids, that may be the end of the road. Like they may just be a really good college baseball player. And it doesn't mean that it translates to any level of professional baseball, but yet they get to experience something that they'll never forget. And, and those are the two things that there's, it's more than just the biggest, the strongest, and the fastest. Like the, the, there is a, I would say significantly more of an in-game strategy, aside from just matchups and all the analytics that'll tell you at the major league side. Um, they don't bunt as much as they used to, which is a good thing. Uh, you're going to see more hit and run. You're going to see more stuff. You just won't see at the major league level. And I think for those of us that grew up with the game, that part's interesting. I have a roommate, Kyle, who I've been living with now for about four years in New York, mm-hmm. and he's not a baseball fan. Okay. But if I gave him the opportunity to watch a major league regular season game or a college game, he would pick the college game every time. And his argument is that pretty simple shit happens in the big leagues. If a ball is put in play 90% of the time, you know, what's going to happen. And in college, partially because the defenses aren't as good and because, you know, metal bats and the pitchers are like, there's more volatility to any given play. And in the same way that I think people like tuning in for a late night PAC 12 football game that, ends up 55 to 48. I think that there is an appetite for people to tune into college baseball because it is so volatile. Do you have a feeling watching games over the last, you know, three decades of your life that that is true? Yeah, it's human. I mean, it's, I think it's, it's more human. And to that point, like you don't always just have the, like when you're watching a major league game, by and large, you're watching the 30 best shortstops in the I know that doesn't exactly go to it, but that's pretty close yeah. to what you're watching. Um, you know, when you're watching a college game, you'd be, you could be watching a fourth-year walk-on that is playing shortstop because so-and-so twisted his ankle yesterday, and this kid's going to be an accountant in three months. But there, there are – I think that's interesting. We, we had a – we were doing a call with uh, some preseason calls, and one was with Virginia yesterday. And they got a kid named Stephen Schott. I, I got to be quite honest with you. I've never seen Stephen Shock to this day. I have not seen him pitch. He started out at Appalachian State. Then he went to Maryland, Baltimore County for three years. Then he was in the Cape playing for Brian Roberts' dad. And somebody at UVA said, you know what? If you still want to play, you got a year left. Why don't you come? So he goes to Virginia as a grad student last year. Ends up working out of their bullpen. He's a submarine guy that throws about me. The season gets canceled. Now he comes back and he's a six-year senior. He was one of the more interesting 20-minute conversations I've ever had with a player. Because, I mean, you go to, like, one of the questions was, give me your favorite class, give me your least favorite class. And I'm like, you of all people have more classes to choose from than anyone else that we will talk to on with this question. And this dude was hilarious. Like, that's – we're thankfully, we're seeing more of it at the major league level, but you just – you see a lot of expression at the collegiate level, and, and more coaches are letting them do it. I mean, 20 years ago, you didn't see as much. It was a lot more buttoned up. You see a lot more now, and that's a good one. And I think when it comes to the postseason in college baseball, there's a level of emotion to it. And some of this sounds cliche, and I understand that, but it's cliche because it's true. That, like, if when the Rays lost to the Dodgers in the World Series, that entire Rays team is going to probably come back and play baseball somewhere next year at one point or another. Right, those guys will take the field somewhere in the baseball universe. Many of them for the Rays, not Blake Snell, but uh, but in college baseball, it's not the case. When a team loses in a regional, your career is over, and in some ways, your childhood is over, and the stakes are just so much higher for the people on the field at the end of the season. Hundred percent. So when we were talking to these, and we're doing it with probably fifteen or twenty teams going into the year, one of the things that I asked was like. Take me back to the day when you found out the season was canceled last year. What do you remember about it? What happened the next few days? And everybody that was close to the field or returning to the field, almost to a man, was like, you know what? We just didn't want to leave the field. And it wasn't necessarily because these kids didn't know that they weren't going to play again. It was the kids that you're referencing, Jake, 
it's the ones that they looked at next to them that they had played with for the last three or four years. And, and it's the realization of like real life just hit. I mean, we talk about it. It's funny. We talk about it in the Little League World Series every year to where like that 12 year old age for Little League, even though some of those kids will show up like 6'1, 185. But th- then like it gets, I mean, you're playing 60 feet, 90 feet the next year and, and you're starting to get out of high school. Like, there's kind of a athletic graduation that happens at that point. It's the same thing in regionals and supers in Omaha. And it's those shots at the end of the game when somebody gets when somebody gets eliminated that you just like I, I remember being on the field of Rosenblatt when we got knocked out and looking at the guys like that dude's never gonna put a uniform on. Whereas three hours ago, like you were laying everything that you humanly had on the field. Right. And I think like I don't want people listening who maybe don't aren't familiar with college baseball and think that we're being like masochists like yo you got to tune in to like watch these kids cry at the end like no like that energy that you see when they get knocked out kind of permeates its way through everything that happens the entire season right where there's a clock there's always a clock ticking on every that's more um ever present than it is at the big league level on every single person's career well and the other thing is is i remember this i went to ogden it was my first stop in the pioneer league when i signed and I'll never forget the first game. I'm, the game starts and I'm standing in the dugout. I'm not pitching, but I'm standing in the dugout. And our manager looks at me and he's like, what are you doing? I said, well, I mean, he stands. And, he gets, and he's like, no, you don't stand <laughs> Go sit down. And, but it was this feeling like, you, you honestly, you played as, as kind of hokey as it sounds. Like you played for everybody at the collegiate level because that's what you do. And you don't really do that again until you're an established big league guy. I mean, there's there's just a business life reality to it when you're coming up all the way through the system um, that it that's the way it is at the collegiate level. And, and some people may laugh at it. That's fine with me. It's one of the reasons I think that the game at that level is so pure. Let the wholesomeness wash over you, everyone. It's okay. Right. It, drink it all in. I would say that, uh, right, to your point, I mean, it doesn't have to, right, you were not tuning in because we know that, you know, 99% of the players in the country are going to be very sad at the end of the season. Um, but I think the way you phrase it, it's it's more human. It's more pure, right? Not that major league teams can't have chemistry and that those guys don't get along off the field and that there's not a tight-knit bond for guys at the major league level. But the stakes feel so much higher when the large majority of the players playing during the college season are never going to play again. And, uh, and yeah, and that manifests in literally what happens on the field. There's just weird shit that's going to go down. You're going to see a guy that is a projected first round pick just completely lose it. You're going to see a guy who was a walk on become a college world series hero because he's playing well beyond his capabilities because he's playing for literally his essentially his baseball life. And so those are the kind of things that, that you don't get when you just are fast forwarding to the best baseball in the world, which is what Major League Baseball is. Of course, weird shit happens too in a different context, but I, I, I really like the way you phrase it. It is more human in that sense. It's, uh, I think it's more relatable too. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. the, I, I remember having this discussion with Boog, and it was probably five or six years ago when college baseball turned into like a fun team exhibition. And it, it had gone too far, admittedly, but they had deadened everything. Everybody was trying to score a run. And he sent me the run probability chart when it comes to, you know, guy on first, nobody out, all the things. And he's like, I just don't understand what it bought. I said, dude, so what you guys, it's what we're talking about right now. Like, they don't make the play as much. That's the way that it works. And so to take the major league idea of a sacrifice, it's not a direct comparison over. Now, I think it was way overlaid before, but it's not a guaranteed out. Whereas at the big league level, it's pretty close to it. And I think a lot of the things that we are used to now at the big league level in terms of pitch sequencing where you know the whole game now revolves around fastballs up in the zone with high spin and that works when you are throwing some of the best high spin fastballs in the world but 90 percent of guys at the college level can't do that well enough to blow it by a hitter and so you see a lot more different looks just from arms like side armors and dudes throwing 85 and lefties with like really loopy curveballs. It's a much more of a mishmash than I think we see at the big, big level today. You know what you actually see? You see sinker ballers. They still do exist. Um, and and at, the, at that level, and I will argue, I think the pendulum probably spins at some point at the major league level to where that becomes in vogue again. But 
um, you do see more guys that are intentionally sinking it, trying to get ground balls, not necessarily trying to, to miss every single bat. So, yeah, I mean, you, you see all types. So let's, Jordan, you want to spin it forward to this upcoming season now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, the season is beginning this weekend. And again, because of the, you know, negative a million temperatures uh, in some parts of the country. Um, and of course, obviously, we have not forgotten that there is still very much an active pandemic going on. We know uh, one of the early series uh, between, I believe, Kentucky and North Carolina uh, was was canceled. But um, because of uh, COVID concerns. But uh, there is going to be a lot of baseball on this weekend. And of course, we want to have you at least shout out a couple teams or players that we're looking forward to. But before we get to some specific names and teams, I'm very curious for you because I just experienced this last weekend with uh, softball starting. I'm a very big fan of, of D1 softball. I'm watching a lot of that. There are so many games on, right? There's never more. I mean, a 15-game night in MLB is one thing, but there are so many games to track. How do you, like, what is your battle station? I know you're sometimes calling these games, and so that's going to be your focus. But maybe on a weekend where you don't have a game or a day where you don't have a game, but there's 20 games on, like, what what does it look like in the Peters and Oswald? How do you follow all these games, or do you lock in on one? Okay, so full disclosure, you guys know that, that I'm involved in D1 baseball and D1 softball, and, and that is one place just to go on the scoreboard and try to figure out what's going on across the country. The nice thing now is, is with everything that's on digital platforms, you can dance around and see a bunch of games that otherwise you couldn't see. So it's kind of between between those two things. And by the way, Jordan, you, I will refund you the money that you signed up for on D1Softball.com because I saw it the other day, and I'll refund it later on this week, okay? <laughs> um, but that's the, I, I would worth say... My, worth my cost of admission. <laughs> I, um, that's probably the easiest way, but it's it's still segmented i mean it's still not easy to follow the sport um across the country or i mean the honestly the easiest way is just to text kendall and aaron and figure out what they think of the entire weekend because then you get you get an overview in about five minutes that that covers all of it it's the part that i think i'll miss the most from not being on the road this year is those conversations that just happen at the ballpark and you're standing on the field hey you guys had georgia last weekend like what did Hancock look like i didn't get a chance to see it and just get the, it was this, 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 and this, or grab a hitter and see what they thought the weekend before. That part will, will stink this year because you're not going to get just that, I don't know, conversational insight that you get from standing around a batting cage, standing and watching it. I, I missed, I mean, when you asked what I missed about last, that's one thing I missed a ton because those are some of the most interesting conversations that you have during the course of the year. It's just the BS session leaning next to to uh, to the net because and I think that type of conversation helps differentiate between teams, right? Because there are so many teams and there are so many good teams and like 80% of them are in the SEC and like they all have eight dudes named Tanner and like seven named Tyler and like they have a scrappy fourth year senior who plays second base and like hits second, right? Like, and so like finding a way to differentiate between that, you have to watch them play and you have to talk to people, especially for you, when your job is to kind of make it come to life on a broadcast. Yeah, and, and so often that type of stuff is is what you get from just hanging out. Like, you're not going to get it from the notes. You're not going to get it from a Zoom call quite as much. I mean, you're going to get it from noticing that Jimmy is screwing with Billy down the right field line. And you go ask Jimmy, what the hell were you and Billy laughing about? Next thing you know, it's something that happened a week ago that you're like, God, this is going in the open. Like, this is beautiful. Like, like something that sticks out in my head, who is the dude on TCU, or maybe it was A&M, Texas A&M a couple years ago, who like wore his own rib around his neck as a necklace? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's yeah. the type of thing that's going to make me remember. Jordan, do you have his name I in your head? I want to say it was Boomer White, but I, I think could it was. be wrong about that. I don't that. know. Was it Boomer? Uh, well, if it, I will tell you this: if it was Boomer, you got both TCU and A and M right because he played both places. <laughs> there you go. Um, so it could be Boomer. That may be but right. like, it's just like the little shit like that. And like, you know, here's the thing that everyone needs to remember: college students are fucking weirdos. Everyone, like, the, like even the ones who are really good at sports, and like baseball is a very good medium to see these people kind of be themselves on camera. Uh, playing the sport that they like, as evidenced by a gentleman wearing a rib around his neck. I'm going to have to figure out who that was. Uh, let's talk about some specific teams and um, specific players for the season. We're not going to go super deep into it, but let's start with players. Three guys, whether they are top prospects uh, in the upcoming season, hotshot freshmen who made it to campus, or like 
28-year-old, six-year seniors who you just think are interesting. Give me three names that casual college baseball followers should know. Okay, so I already gave you Stephen Shock, and he's going to pick, pitch at the back end of Virginia's bullpen. I just, the, the dude, he's a guy that you just want to go have a beer with. And the nice thing you can because he's 24, so it, it's legal <laughs> to do it as well. Um, it's legal for him almost to rent a car. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Very close. Yeah, he didn't have to pay extra right now. Um, I, I absolutely love hanging out with him. Um, I'll go Kumar Rocker, Jack Leiter to start. I'm going to group him as one player for the yeah. purposes of this. Um, two right-handers for Vanderbilt. Rocker obviously came onto the stage a few years ago, punched down 19 for a perfect game, the Super Regional, and then it was the MVP of the College World Series as a freshman. Uh, Jack Leiter was a kid that I don't think, I mean, just from a talent standpoint, shouldn't have been on campus out of high school, but given background and desire to go to school is he's now dropped to eligible sophomore. And they theoretically could go one, two in the draft. And I don't think there's ever been two pitchers from the same team go one, two. I think Cole and Bauer were one, four, maybe. They were close. I don't remember where Bauer went. Um, but they could go one, two, and it's kind of must watch every single weekend. One of the best hitters in the country is a kid named Adrian Del Castillo, switch hit and catcher at Miami. We'll have him this weekend against Florida. That kind of prototypical, sweet, perfect left-handed swing, but happens to be a switch hitter and happens to catch. He, he could be a top five, top ten overall guy for Miami. And then one that is not draft eligible this year but didn't get a chance to see a lot is Robert Moore. Um, Dave Moore's son, middle infielder at Arkansas, had a great start last year for Arkansas. Uh, maybe doesn't like tools you off the charts like some other guys can do, but will baseball IQ you off the charts? Arkansas is going to be damn good, but he's one that that I'm really looking forward to to actually seeing in person because um, I think we're think going to get a chance to be on site in Hoover for the SEC tournament if everything continues. Uh, but those would be a few that I think would jump out for me. And then in terms of teams, because we know that this year, because the draft was shortened and because you got up some 24-year-olds running around, the rosters are very crowded and in a good way. I mean, it's obviously it has, has resulted in, I'm sure, some players that were expecting D1 playing time to have to transfer to some other programs or junior college or whatever. But there are teams with just an unbelievable amount of talent that normally would not be there because they would have been drafted in rounds five through 10 last year. So who are some teams because they have a ton of talent or because just the vibes of the, you know, the bench or the, the kind of guys that the kind of celebration that they do, who are some teams that you are expecting uh, to be excited to watch, not just because maybe they're going to be making a run at the World Series, but because when you tune in, you're probably going to be having a good time watching them. Um, I'll go Florida one because of what you just talked about on the front end of that. They, they I mean, they get two kids back. Um, Tommy Mason, Jack left, which that in any given year, there's no chance they get back. If the draft is in five years, Mace was, I looked at MLB rankings. I mean, preseason or before the draft was top 70 and yet doesn't get drafted left, which was 130, 140 doesn't get drafted. There's no way that in a given year, those guys come back. Now they get them back. Plus they were the number one team in the country last year. And you get two thirds of the weekend rotation back. Florida could have the best pitching staff in the country and they could have a top five offense in the country. And it just kind of seems like every year since Sully has been there that they figure out some way to get to Omaha. Um, I have a bias, even though I'm sitting in minus 24 degree weather, that I think that the college world series is better and the college game is better when the West coast is strong. Um, and UCLA is is one that is back. I mean, they kind of had a five, six, seven-year run where it feels like they were at the top every year. Number one overall seed a few years ago got knocked out. Um, Matt McClain's one of the best middle infielders in the country, kid that should get drafted pretty high this year. Zach Cutway's been really good for him for the last three or four years. Um, and I, other than the fact that, and I love John Savage, I think he's really, really good. He's damn smart. But man, can he slow a baseball game down. Um, and that's the only thing, the only knock that I would have against UCLA is if we could speed up the signs coming in a little bit this year, that would be wonderful. Um, the other one, I think it's a team that gets forgotten about is Texas Tech. The last 10 years, Texas Tech has been as good a college baseball program as there's been in the country. You can throw them in with Florida. You can throw them in with Vanderbilt. They haven't won the whole thing. But besides that, I think they've been in Omaha three or four times. And, and it was a program that really, before that, didn't have any Omaha history whatsoever. Um, 
you know, TCU went there four or five straight years. Texas has a history that they do. Oklahoma State has the history. Everybody seems to overlook Texas Tech every year. Yet when people go into Lubbock, they just absolutely bludgeon, in part because it's blowing like 40 out. But um, it's every single year. I love the way they play. I mean, they play like they're a bunch of kids from West Texas that can give two rips about what you think. And it plays pretty well when they're on the field. So, I mean, they happen to be three of the top five teams in the country, but those are the three that are the most, I would say, intriguing to me. And fourth, even though every time you ask me for three, I screw up and give you four or five. But if if you've got rocker and lighter on the front end of any rotation, I'll watch Vanderbilt every weekend. Yeah, you have to tune in for them. And then I I would say for people who listen to this podcast, Miami is yes. a borderline must watch. If you want a team that plays with a big old fuck you every time they go out there, they play like the U is probably the best way to explain it. Um, and Florida against Miami this upcoming weekend is a very nice appetizer for the upcoming season. I like it. We get 3 o'clock Eastern on SEC Network on Friday. We get first home game ever for Florida. Why wouldn't you spend $65 million on a college baseball stadium? That just seems like what you do right now. I, I might. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I'd write it. Like I told my mom when I was little, just write a check. That's all you got to do. Just write yeah, it's a easy. Check. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but so, yeah, you got the U coming up. Del Castillo's there. Alex Terrell had 24 home runs a few years ago. Miami's offense is really good. They lost their entire rotation. Two guys who went in the top two rounds last year. Miami was like a top five, top eight team last year. And if their arms show up this year, they, they got a chance to be again because the offense is low. And I'm glad you mentioned them because uh, just and really the only reason to harp on this is because it's certainly the premier series in this opening weekend. And we encourage you all to tune in. But Miami just announced their their opening rotation and they're leading with a guy named Dan Fetterman, who is like a he's a 20, another 22 year old senior red shirt, whatever, um, who's and then they've got two freshmen uh, who will be throwing games two and three who would have been high picks last year if they weren't uh, wanting to go and play at Miami, which sounds like a good time. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so I think that will be a great, a great gateway into this college baseball season. And, and we hope that it will be, uh, uh, it, it'll at least carry you uh, to opening day of Major League Baseball. And then by then you'll probably be hooked and you'll be able to, to ride it all the way to Omaha where it's negative 24 degrees. Why don't uh, you guys show up this year? By that time, we're going to have fans and it'll be great. I, listen, can, man. You can go to the Drover and all the stuff. That you look. Can do. You don't have to convince me, KP. I've been, I've been to Omaha. I've done no, Omaha. The, Jordan's never been. I've not. I, I need, a, I need to check it off. Uh, so we'll see. We'll. See. I would love that. The timing might work out yeah. quite nicely. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, but Kyle Peterson, uh, again, one more, one more plug for for where people can watch you regular, somewhat regularly. I you don't have to give us our your whole schedule for the season, but uh, where can people uh, see you and, and and read whatever works you would like people to read. So we got, we'll open up this Friday, SEC Network, uh, three Eastern Miami, Florida. Then I think we're somewhat quiet for a few weeks. And then we Is go that all? Before. That's on my ESPN Plus? I can watch that on my ESPN Plus? Uh, it, well, yeah. I guess being an employee of ESPN, I should have the answer to that. So I, I don't know, but I will. That's okay. You. That's okay. I, I'm going to find a way to watch the baseball, is what I'm saying. Yes. We'll, we'll be. We'll um, be there's but ACC Network stuff kicks off next weekend and then. Kind of once we get into the basketball tournament, <clears throat> it'll be all over the place. So we, it's a cool thing that's different, man, from six, seven, eight years ago. It, it's, it is, it is all over the place right now, which is a lot of fun if you're a college baseball door fucker. Kyle Peterson, thank you for the time. Uh, looking forward to the season getting going and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Bye boys. Always cool. All right, before we say goodbye, one last topic. Um, we just had a conversation about a uh, non-professional baseball, and now we're going to talk about, very briefly, a potentially non-professional level baseball team, the Baltimore Orioles. Jordan, the site Fangraphs, who we love, and everyone should go get a membership, uh, released their uh, postseason odds, and the Baltimore Orioles coming in at a hefty 0.0. .0. 0.0% now if you're wondering wow that seems uh that seems low i mean yeah they're bad but like doesn't every team have you know a 1% chance doesn't oh i'll take a look at the tigers have a 2% chance the marlins who just made the playoffs have a 0.7% chance the pirates 
who were already the worst team in baseball, yes, even worse than the Orioles in 2020, and got markedly worse. But lucky for them, they play in the NL Central. 0.4% chance for the Pirates to make the postseason. My Mariners sitting at a, wow, 1.7. I'm feeling damn good Thick. in the AL West. Thick. Uh, but your Orioles, the only one at the bottom at 0.0. And how, how I mean... What would you, Are you like about to the ask me how I fucking feel? Is what that would how you like the me? number to be? What would you like that number to say? Not zero. <laughs> there are so many other options. I would say, in fact, infinite options between zero and a hundred that aren't zero that would have made me feel good. And zero makes me feel bad. Uh, a big chunk of that zero, I would say, is that they play in a very stacked. Uh, American League East, and then that if they played in the NL Central, they would certainly have a non-zero. It would be not, it would not be zero, is what I'm saying. Same with the AL West. It would be not zero. Shut the hell up, Jordan. I see you're trying to re rebut. No, 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 no. I have nothing to rebut. Like, you're totally right. Like, you're, I, I'm sorry that, that this is being pushed uh, onto you. Um, because here's the thing, if, if it said 0.3%, no one would even like, oh, people would make their jokes and move on. But like, I am truly trying to understand how the Rockies even get to 0.1 and the Orioles don't. Um, because you say, oh, they at least, they at least, they at least it's way harder. I think it's going to be way. I mean, I guess maybe because the third and fourth teams are worse than the than the East. Uh, but like, I just, anyway, whatever. Zero all I'm 0. saying is, all I'm saying if I'm Brandon Hyde, Orioles skip, I'm taking that and I'm putting it right. Bulletin board, bulletin baby. board material. Because, okay, bulletin board material. If you lose, <laughs> if you don't make it, that's fine and whatever. But if you do, it's fucking great. I am going to go back and rewatch uh, Leicester City's 2015 Premier League winning campaign where they were given, I believe, 500 to one odds to win. I then looked up uh, the Orioles odds and it was 800 to one. So it's right. 8,000, 8,000 to one, 8,000 to one. So like, I, do I think the Orioles are going to make the playoffs? No. Do I think there's a 0% chance? Do I think there's no chance? No chance. There's no chance. No way. Chance. There's no chance. Brandon Hyde printed out pitchers and catchers. <laughs> They're coming. In fact, fan <laughs> there is a chance and his name is Cisco. Well said. Great point. You should tweet that when we're done recording. Thank you to Bobby Wagner for producing this podcast. Thank you to Kyle Peterson for joining us and talking about college baseball. We hope you tune in to Miami and Florida this weekend. That should be a fun matchup. Uh, and uh, thank you to all those uh, pitchers who signed one-year deals and gave us much to banter about. And uh, yeah, we will uh, talk to you guys next week when all the players will have reported. Workouts will have begun. We will have watched our 27-second videos with guys throwing playing catch and we're gonna take it all in can't uh, wait to overanalyze francisco lindor's running form oh boy it's that time of year have a good week folks talk to you soon this episode is brought to you by state farm you might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.